You know, we traditionally in our Southern Baptist churches give an invitation at the end of a message. But after hearing this, I almost felt like I needed to come up and just give an invitation now because without Jesus, we would have nothing. Without Jesus, we could do nothing. If you're here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, uh, you don't have to wait until the end of the service to fix that. You can sit right where you are and you can pray to receive Christ. You can admit that you are a sinner just like the rest of us. You can ask Him to come into your heart and into your life and you can be saved right there. You don't have to wait till the end of the service when we give our traditional invitation, although we will do so at the end of the service. And you know, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior and you're not part of a of a church, or if you've never made that public, that's what part of that invitation is for too, is to ask you to come forward, make public the fact that you are one of his children, and that you proclaim Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you're not part of a church, that's when you, we ask you to come forward to, to join in fellowship with this group. I think I'm done preaching now. We might as well just go to Sunday school class. Now, we're going to be in uh, the book of James today, in the book of James chapter 3, uh, we're going to be looking at a few verses beginning in the chapter 3 of the book of James, beginning in the 13th verse. Uh, James is sometimes referred to as the, the New Testament book of wisdom, uh, the wisdom book of the New Testament. That's because it has a lot of similarities with Proverbs and, and even Job and, and Psalms. Uh, one of the things James does throughout the book is he, he just puts into these short, pithy sayings great truths of Scripture. You know, he, he says in there, he says uh, uh, that everyone should be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Doesn't that, doesn't that sound like one of the Proverbs? It, it, it parallels very closely. James teach, tells us to not show partiality. I mean, James is very direct. Uh, he, you, you read through James and you can't help but just understand some of the things that he says in these short statements. But he also speaks of wisdom directly. And that's the passage we're going to look at really today in James chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. James says, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but it is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness, is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
Open our hearts and open our minds, Lord, to the, the truth in your word, to the truth that is your word. Lord, let us hear what you would have us hear today. Speak to each one of us in Christ's name. Amen. Who among you is wise and understanding? Remember, James is writing this letter to the churches that are outside of Jerusalem, even outside of, of Judea. Uh, these churches are going through what we might call growing pains as the gospel is, is spread outside and beyond the, the walls of Jerusalem. One of the problems that James is addressing is that of false teachers. Or, or perhaps the issue that he's addressing could be that there are too many people trying to be teachers. Look at verse 1 in this same chapter. Chapter 3 says, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. From that statement, James goes on to warn about the power of speech, the, the, the difficulty of taming the tongue, and the dangers of a loose tongue. Uh, as if he's trying to say, look, one of the qualities of a teacher is that they have learned to tame the tongue and are consistent in their speech. Uh, they don't talk one way at church and another way at their work and at home. So the next question then naturally arises, well, who do we look to as teachers? I know some of you are already thinking now, therefore, well, this must not apply to me. You don't think of yourself as a teacher. You're not planning to be a Sunday school teacher. But how many of you, how, uh, this group, there's several of our, how many of you are Sunday school teachers or substitute teachers or, or teach sometimes, you know, all ages? I see a few of you out there. Yeah. If you're a teacher outside of the church, how many of you are teachers in, in schools or or, or homeschooling your kids, those, those kids. There's, there's a whole other group there. Um, if you're a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle or an older sibling or have any contact with someone younger than you, how many of you are, are in that? I think just about all of us are. In fact, what that means is that all of us at one point or another are teachers. Because there's always someone who looks to us to learn from. You're all teachers. But, but here's the, the real clincher. Remember what the Great Commission says there in Matthew? What does it say? It says, go make disciples. This is a command to all Christians, to all believers. And Jesus tells us, he says, go make disciples of all peoples baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I commanded. Uh, go and make disciples. What are disciples? Disciples are learners. So if you're making disciples, what does that make you? It makes you a teacher, a discipler. So we, we all bear that responsibility. The truth is that we are all always both disciple and discipler. We're always learners and teachers. 
So, so while not every believer takes that official role in the church as a Sunday school teacher, which, by the way, is a marvelous role, and we have the best Sunday school teachers in this church. I mean, they, these, our folks are committed. There is a, there is a group uh, that of the adult teachers particularly that we text each other leading up to each Sunday. I am challenged every week by what they are texting and learning through that. I, Martha and I were talking this morning about how neat that is that we're, we, we do that. And you, the, the, all, those that are involved in that, it is, a, it is a blessing. It is a blessing. But anyway, we do have the really good teachers. So if you're a believer, you're not off the hook is what I'm trying to tell you. If you are a Christian, you're not off the hook. You too are under the role of teacher. So what's James getting to here? He's saying, who do we look up to as a wise person? Someone from which we can learn. Who among you is wise and understanding? Aren't those great qualifications for someone you want to learn from? That they're wise an understanding. How many of you would say, no, uh-uh, I want to learn from somebody who's foolish and rude? You know, that's, uh, anymore, you know, some of those things we see in television or movies, it seems like that's exactly what people are doing, but, but none of us would, would want to learn from someone who is foolish and rude. Being wise, having wisdom, it means to know what is right. It, it, it being understanding, wisdom and understanding, being understanding, it means to know why it's right. See, wisdom, a, a wise person knows what to do and what to say, and a person who is both wise and understanding knows why they should say it or do it and how it should be done. Uh, Proverbs 9.10 tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. See? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So wisdom begins with what? With faith. The New Testament refers to God-fearers. These were the Gentiles who had the faith of the Jewish people. So fearing God, the fear of the Lord, it means that you recognize who God is, that He is creator, He is sustainer, He is judge, He is also savior. So wisdom begins with recognizing the right relationship between us and God, and then it grows from there. Understanding, Proverbs tell us, comes from knowledge of the Holy One. It comes from developing the mind of Christ, from patterning our, patterning our thinking and our behavior after Jesus. How do we, we gain the knowledge of the Holy One? Through His Word. God has chosen in this time to reveal Himself through His Word to all of us. 
Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Now we're blessed in this day and time to be able to hear the word of God by reading it ourselves, by hearing it preached from pulpits, by texting it back and forth to one another, by talking to other believers, by challenging one another, by reasoning together about the things of God, by increasing our knowledge of the Holy One, we are able to understand the wisdom of God. James tells us, let him show by his good behavior, his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. Isn't that an interesting phrase? The gentleness of wisdom. That could be translated the humility of wisdom. <coughs> or, or deeds done with the humility that comes from wisdom. So who is wise and understanding among you? Is it the one that constantly talks about how much he knows? The one who, who has to always get in the last point in every discussion? No, it's the one that does what is right and does it for the right reasons and does it whether anyone is watching or not. It's the one who can receive correction with out argument and hurt feelings. The one whose wisdom and understanding that is shown by their lifestyle, by the way they talk, the way they act, how they treat others. Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But, verse I'm sorry, verse uh, 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. Bitter jealousy. Selfish ambition. Arrogance. Aren't those wonderful character traits? These things really, they stand in, in contrast to the whole idea of the gentleness of wisdom. Bitter jealousy. It's envy. It's, it's wanting something that rightly belongs to someone else. Selfish ambition. It's wanting something, anything, no matter what with no regard for others. Arrogance, pride, a complete lack of humility. You know, when you think about it, though, that's really the state of unredeemed man. Selfish ambition, jealousy, pride. It's really the state of... Uh, no, no, it's the cause of the fall of man. Think back, Genesis chapter 3, the first sin. Bitter jealousy, 
wanting what rightfully belongs to someone else. What did Satan say? He said, for the day you eat of it, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See, up to that point, Adam and Eve had only known good. When God created them, created the world, created Adam and Eve, breathed life into them, and he said, it is very good. Adam and Eve, that first man and woman, only knew good. But Satan tells them, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See, God had knowledge of evil. God, who was the creator, and the world he made was very good, but he had knowledge of evil. He had seen it in Satan, who led a rebellion in heaven. And God cast him and his demonic traitors out of God's dwelling place. God had confronted evil. But Adam and Eve, they had had no understanding of evil, no experience with it, no knowledge of it. They were truly pure and innocent. What they had was God's one prohibition. Do not eat of the fruit of that one tree. It was a protective and loving prohibition. God knew that there was something out there that wasn't good. But in their eyes, there was something out there that God had, knowledge of good and evil, that they didn't have, and they wanted it even though they didn't even know what it was. Bitter jealousy. Envy. You know, as parents, how many times have we told our children to not do something because we knew the consequences of it, even if they didn't? And you couldn't even really explain the consequences of it? And those little folks with their free will go against your wishes and you weep with them as they suffer the consequences. Adam and Eve gave in to selfish ambition as well. Satan said, you will be like God. Talk about ambition. So they showed their lack of wisdom, their lack of understanding. They gave in to the envy. They gave in to the ambition. And they did the one thing that God told them not to do. And from that point on, man has knowledge of both good and evil. We, in this fallen world, experience both good and evil. But the good news is that there is a time there is a place when we will no longer be in the presence of evil or pain or sickness or sin because God will judge sin and cast all evil into the abyss and he will welcome his children into his presence where only good exists. The Bible tells us that as many as receive Jesus as Lord and Savior by believing on His name, we become the children of God.
You see, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition lead to sin and to death. And where does it reside? But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, it is the state of the heart of the unredeemed man. When we come to Christ, we are given a new heart, a pure heart. Now, as long as we live in this fleshly life, we do battle within ourselves. You know, Brother James can be pretty direct, can't he? He can be pretty harsh. This wisdom, this is the wisdom that he's been talking about, the wisdom that breeds selfish ambition, that, that breeds envy. This wisdom that breeds arrogance, this wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. What does he mean when he says this wisdom does not come down from above? Just a bit earlier in chapter 1, he says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. So when he says that this is not the wisdom from above, this so-called wisdom of the world, this wisdom which, which itself shows itself as jealousy and selfish ambition, it is not from God. It is earthly, fleshly. It is natural. It is demonic. Verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. As we look around the world today, and we look at our cities, we look even at our families, and yes, even at our own individual lives, what do we see? We find out that when we look out for self, at the expense of others, when we adopt a whatever-it-takes-to-get-ahead attitude, when we put the things of the world ahead of the things of God, then the pieces of the puzzle just don't fit together right. We find ourselves on a, on a very slippery slope justifying things which in the past we would have condemned. We experience conflict both externally and internally. It's as if everything just begins to go to pieces and we tend to see the world's way to put it back together and further down the slope of disorder and chaos we go. That's that earthly, natural, demonic wisdom that leads to chaos, conflict, and every evil things. 1 Corinthians 14.33 tells us, Our God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. The wisdom from above is in direct conflict with that from the world. But it brings us order and peace. Verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, 
reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. True wisdom is from above. It is one of the good and perfect gifts that come down from the Father of lights. It is wisdom from the only omniscient being that there is. There is no other one who knows all things, who sees all things, who knows the ending from the beginning. He is the source of both knowledge and wisdom. And the wisdom we receive from God is first pure. It is undefiled by selfish motives and mixed with no error. It is a wisdom which separates the wise from the vices of earthly wisdom. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The wisdom from above leads to purity of heart and an awareness of the presence of God. Then peaceable, not disorderly like earthly wisdom. We're told as, as far as it depends on us to live at peace with all men. The wisdom from above gives us the wisdom to do so. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. The wisdom from above leads us to seek peace, to be peacemakers, to become children of God. It is gentle. This gentleness speaks of courtesy and consideration, not intimidation or harshness, but kindness, speaking the truth in love. It is reasonable. This word implies a, a willingness to yield, to submit, to not lord it over others. It's really the opposite of arrogance. It is to be humble, knowing that we are all under someone's authority, and ultimately under God's. The wisdom from above is full of mercy and good fruits. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. These two are closely related here, mercy and good fruits, because mercy engenders generosity toward others. Mercy takes away judgmentalism and opens the door for compassion. The good fruits of good deeds toward others is the playing out of mercy. The wisdom from above is unwavering, without hypocrisy. It is stable and true. It is sincere. It is not double-minded, as James says in the first chapter. Worldly wisdom is jealous. Wisdom from above is pure. Worldly wisdom is selfish and ambitious. The wisdom from above is peaceable and gentle. Worldly wisdom is arrogant. Wisdom from above is reasonable and submissive. Worldly wisdom is earthly, natural, and demonic. The wisdom from above is full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without hypocrisy. So the question is, how do we obtain this wisdom from above? Turn back to James chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. But if any of you lacks wisdom, 
Let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So how do we obtain this wisdom from above? Ask in faith, and he will give it. Sounds too simple, doesn't it? You know, that doesn't mean that uh, you can do as I've done before, unprepared for a physics exam, and say that prayer before I take the exam, and say, Lord, give me the wisdom here. I think it's right to say, okay, Lord, I've really prepared for this. Now give me the recall of what I've prepared. That's, that's okay. But God's not going to miraculously give you the answers to the exams if you haven't studied for them. But here it does say to ask for God and He will give it. To ask in faith. What is this faith? Look at chapter 2. Verse 1, my brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. See, it's not just faith that you will receive wisdom. It is faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. If you wish to have the wisdom from above. To be a person that is wise and understanding. You must know Jesus. By knowing Jesus, you know the Father. By accepting Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you become a child of God. One upon which He lavishes wonderful gifts, one of which is that gift of wisdom and understanding. See, I promised you we'd give an invitation at the end. If you have never received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, do so today. Admit that you are a sinner and that you need a Savior. Jesus has revealed himself as that Savior. He took your sin and my sin in his body and he bore that on that cross. And by his death, our penalty was paid. And by his resurrection, he showed that he is the first fruits of all of the resurrection. And that he has power even over death. If you've never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, when we stand to sing this hymn of invitation, you come forward. If you are a believer and are not part of a fellowship somewhere and you wish to join in fellowship with this body of believers, as we sing this hymn, you come forward. If you have a prayer need that you'd like to share, you come up and let's pray together. Let's stand now as we sing.